Robert Dubiel. Robert Dubiel and I have been friends for many, many years now. Many Since years. Since 2004. Really? Wow. Um, and and we're very, um, I'm very understanding of your state of mind and what you do and how you think. And I'm going to start the Facebook Live here. Um, Robert's a world traveler, has been uh, for many, many years. Um, and he's gone to Russia more than any to- anyone I know, actually. You've been to Russia how many times? Seven times. That's but a lot. That was in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and when it was different. It was transitioning. It was transitioning, yes. yes. I'm sure it was. You went to Moscow and um, St. Petersburg. Yes. On, right? I love St. Petersburg. Yeah. Love the north. Kiev is beautiful in the Ukraine. Soviet Georgia. Beautiful place in Belize. I have never thought of even Kiev. Is it still nice? That I don't know, but it's a beautiful setting. On the Dnieper River, I, it's older than Moscow. It's I older enjoyed, than Moscow. Oh yeah, that was the birthplace of the Russian culture. Was in Ukraine. I didn't realize that. Vladimir, he forcibly baptized the masses uh-huh. in like nine eighty. The original, the original Vladimir, yes. not not the present. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Putin is named after him. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and and you you were going because you speak ru- pretty good. You speak Russian. No, that's not why I was going. I was going to pay karma. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you did it. Intruding uh, metaphysics onto travel. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. paid it very successful <laughs> on national television uh-huh. there. Uh, what's took, it like on their national television? Uh, th- this was pre-capitalism. This was... Still in the waning days of communism. So there were only two channels in the entire country. Really? And I was on the morning show of one of them. I never knew this. I've never heard this yeah. story before. I was brought my crystal ball, <laughs> which I was in specifically instructed not to do. But my spirit guides told me to bring it. So the, the moderator, who was a good host, she said in Russian, I had a translator, what is the meaning of this crystal ball? <laughs> and I said, now we're going to think thoughts of world peace, and they're going to come into the crystal ball, circle the planet, and come back into the crystal ball. And 20 million people saw this. 20 I'm sh- million? Yes. I'm sure many of them did the exercise, and that's how I paid my karma. So was this in <laughs> Kiev or Moscow? Moscow. That was in Moscow. Yes. Was, was there a lot of security at the TV station? No, no. Things were very loose, very relaxed there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it was, there was problems with the visas and the bureaucrats, but no, I, I never had a problem. I was traveling illegally in the north because you had to have a visa for every city or district you were going to, and I just went up north with friends. Hmm. And uh, you wouldn't do that today. I don't know if I'd. Uh, I don't think you'd do that today. I don't I know. I'd probably get permission. Yeah, it would be easier to get permission now. 
It's also more expensive. Visas have really gotten rather pricey for Russia. People want to go themselves. That's why people do the cruises into St. Petersburg. Because you're covered in that blanket visa. However, if you want to leave the regular shore excursions. You can't. You can't. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the old days. Yes. (laughs) I miss Thanksgiving dinner because I met this kid in the the metro, and I I bought him a boombox and was delivering the boombox to him in Red Square, but he never showed up. And my tour guide said, do you miss Thanksgiving? I said, I don't like turkey, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they did Thanksgiving? For us, yes. I was going to say, a, what's wrong with this It picture? was a tour <laughs> from Chicago, the Chicago Council on Foreign Relations. It was medieval Russia. Oh. And it was uh, semi-political. I mean, we... Went to the Karl Marx Institute and heard the official party line. On uh-huh. I find all that interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I love St. Petersburg. I mean, I mainly, of course, there's a gorgeous buildings, and of course, you know, you go to uh, the Ar- the Hermitage, and my gosh, three days isn't enough, even right? I mean, you have you you've been to St. Petersburg, Kathy? No, twice we were gonna go, and when we switched it. Uh, our cruise one minute or kind of a last minute thing and then the second time we were going to go and our dog got sick and we got off the cruise oh. and came home oh to my be with gosh our dog. oh so we didn't make it well you know i mean i guess people are still going and the world cup mm-hmm. you know of course happened and a lot of people showed up uh in in moscow in spite of all the you know turmoil about what our positions are our thoughts mm-hmm. are etc it's still an amazing place, and St. Petersburg is still, I think, a a, 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 pr- a popular still mm-hmm. cruise destination. It is, yeah. They uh, and some of the cruise lines they do like two or three night stays, like Oceana. But yeah. I did um, go to the Ukraine about six years ago to I didn't on know the Black that. Sea, ah, Odessa. In Odessa, huh? that was a really pretty. Yeah. yeah. And same architecture yeah. style as St. Petersburg. Yeah. Same Stavis- era. Stavistopol? Yeah. In the Crimea. Yeah. That's a very old town, mm-hmm. isn't it, as well? I've never been there. Oh. Yeah, it was I like it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but that wasn't a tour? Was that it was a cruise? A cruise. It was a cruise. cruise. Oh, okay. It's on the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Chekhov lived there. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I, but that's just Russia, and that always was interesting because you did, you do speak good, better Russian. Gavrilovsky, I used to speak Russian. Yes, <laughs> um, but um, now I really want to talk. It's been interesting. Now you've been in Thailand, living in Chiang Mai for at least five years, six years. Uh, will be ten. <gasps> Not is it really that first long? time I went there. January 2009. Wow. And I decided that winter that Chiang Mai was my home. Well, you know, we do have quite a few people on Maui. Um, I know uh, Tim from Polly's goes down there. And, and of course, Sam, your friend Sam, and many others go down to Thailand and fall in love with it. And um, a couple of people I know, like you, have decided to live there. And, I mean, I've actually considered it. Um but when you first went, were you just checking it out to see if you wanted to live there, or did you know No, that? I wasn't thinking about living there at all. Sam was encouraging me, Sam Vessel, 
to uh, visit Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. Every time she would mention it, my truth finger was buzzed, my little finger. So I said, okay. So I booked. We went together from India. or Actually, she went. From Dharamsala, right? Yes. Yeah. She went before I did, but I joined her uh-huh. in Chiang Mai. And, and it's, uh, a, it's kind of an international city, isn't it? Many expats from many countries uh-huh. live there. Including some very nice resort hotels. Yes. Some of the big ones are there. In town and Four Seasons, north of town in the foothills of the mountains. Uh-huh. Quite beautiful. Oh, they're in the foothills of the mountains? Sure. Interesting. Our mountains get up to about 6,000 feet. Oh, really? And... The city, the river, is at 1,000. So it's substantial. You're in monsoon season now? Yes. It's been I think we might raining be, a lot. If anyone followed what happened in Chang... Changrai. Changrai. I thought they'd been calling it Changrai when they... But that, that is where... The next door province. That's where the... About 100 miles from Chiang Mai is where the caves were that... The, the boys got trapped in. Mm-hmm. And the monsoon was a, a definite factor involved in the concern yeah. of trying to... Evidently, they were local boys, so mm-hmm. they always visited those caves mm-hmm. every every practice season. I think it was kind of a R&R for them. Mm-hmm. And this time, they, they had bad luck with mm-hmm. the rain. Yeah, really bad luck. Oh my God, it was mir- it was miraculous. Then they kept, you know, going back up and back, trying to get this away. This was from not water. a good idea. No, <laughs> <laughs> they should have tried to get out before yes. they went up and back, right? Further and further and further. I mean, it was miraculous that they were that long and able to be saved in that situation. Unfortunately, That's one of the SEAL team guys died um, in the yeah. efforts. Yeah, it's a miracle that more people didn't die. There were a lot of people that came together and prayed. It was interesting seeing on TV how the different monks came down and some of the uh, priests came down and did the prayers there and everything. And, and um, I guess that the soccer coach was teaching them to meditate Also well. a good thing. Yes, definitely. And now the boys have become monks, temporary monks. Really? Yeah, in Buddhism in Thailand, mm-hmm. you can become a monk for a week. Oh, I didn't know that. Or a month or a year Huh. It's a very short-term thing. Did you ever become a monk for a week? No. <laughs> okay. I was a Catholic seminarian for seven years. <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> well, it's a little different. Maybe I'll become a monk, but I don't think it would be for a week <laughs> if I did. Um, and it certainly did draw the attention. Um, they're not talking about what they're talking about, making it into a movie or a TV. Oh, yeah, no, they're going to do a whole thing on it and everything. And I guess people are visiting it now, which is, like, so stupid in my mind. Why would you go through this and then have people come down there? They're going to have to close the whole thing off. Yeah. Because, you know, some idiot's going to go in there and try to recreate it or something. You know, you never know, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, that's like, I don't know. I guess the monsoon season is... Going strong. Yeah, yeah. So very dangerous. But you're going back in the monsoon season. You're leaving a, a week to go back to, to yes. Chiang Mai. I haven't been since Christmas. And and you have a house there? Yes, I'm looking forward to gardening. And and you've had that same house the whole time, 10 since years? Since 2011. And how much rent do you pay on the house? About 280 a month. Oh, my gosh. Plus mm-hmm. utilities. You couldn't find anything. You couldn't find a garage to rent here for 280 a month. 
No, I mean, it's you couldn't. A, you couldn't find a garage for One him. of the incentives to live yes. in Thailand. <laughs> but you have to come and go because you don't have, you don't have, you have only a six-month visa? I or? have a six-month tourist visa where I can come and go at will. That's good. Because I'm considering a retirement visa. And the retirement visa you have to pay money for, right? You have to have so much in the bank or proof of a certain income level. Uh-huh. So if your income is high, then you don't need the bank account statements. Otherwise, you need like $27,000 in the bank. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, but people are still coming and moving down there. Yes. Baby boomers looking to the retire. The main problem is the air quality. Oh, really? The air quality in the spring, the hot season, yeah. is not good. From burning? Yes. Burning the crops. You know, I wasn't aware of that. I hadn't heard people talk about that. It's getting worse and worse. Oh, is it really? The government could use some good agricultural strategy Mm -hmm. to uh, dispose of the the crops instead of burning. Yeah. But they're not doing it yet. Well, it's the old way of thinking. That's what they used to do. But, uh, yeah. They're not helping the farmers. They're fining them. Oh, really? Yeah, and the farmers are very poor uh-huh. in Thailand. So the cheapest thing is to burn the fields. Yeah. But there are ways of converting the corn uh, that the international agribusiness companies are encouraging the farmers to grow. Mm-hmm. There are ways to uh, convert that into energy. Mm-hmm. Biodiesel. Yeah. yeah. So there are very intelligent people in the area around Chiang Mai Mm -hmm. who have great ideas of how to reduce the pollution. Mm -hmm. But the government is not in back of this yet. It's all private, private Mm -hmm. enterprise. So one thing that happens, of course, and I don't even know how large that city is as much as we talk. How how big is Chiang Mai as far as Metro, about a million. That much? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, it's way bigger than Maui. I didn't realize. I was thinking it's about the size population of Maui. I didn't realize. The city is about 150,000. Wow. And the city is compact. Uh Uh-huh. But then the surrounding districts, you know, it's kind of suburban, but actually quite beautiful. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's in a valley surrounded by mountains. Uh Uh-huh. So. And it's tropical, all tropical? Yes. Yeah. Like The coldest temperature, uh, similar. It could get in the upper 40s. Uh-huh. In the winter, but then everyone's bundled up in their overcoats. You know, yeah. nobody has heat at all. Yeah, and but it can get quite hot, hotter than here in March. In the spring, yes. Yeah, uh, up to 104. Oh, and humidity as well. Not so much. Oh, it's the dry season. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it would be the humidity. As no, well. it's oh. not that bad. Now it's now the, it's the humidity, humidity. Right. but now it's in the 80s. Uh-huh. So it's I like the rainy season. You do? Yeah. Not good for bicycling around or something or walking, but I guess people take you take what do you take for transportation? I take an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> I also take tuk-tuks. Now there are uh hybrid tuk-tuks or hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> hybrid tuk-tuk. You know, no pollution. <laughs> no no diesel fumes. Uh-huh. So I try to take those yeah. whenever possible. And great so. restaurants. You love going out, and it's yes. so cheap. Good Italian, good Japanese, uh-huh. good Vietnamese. Uh-huh. I also eat Thai, but, you know, 
it's like if I want good pad thai, it costs a dollar around the corner from my house. Wow. So it's not a big deal to eat good Thai food. Wow. Because you're in Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Well, so, but you do traveling. I mean, you're, you've got a traveling spirit. You are a traveler. And you love traveling, and you travel a lot. And you usually take Korean airlines to get down to Thailand, don't you? From yes. here you take Korean. And you've I been very happy with them. Honolulu, Incheon, mm-hmm. Incheon, Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very happy with the level of service, the food. They're usually in time. The seats are comfortable. I like Korean air. Yeah, and you've got, gotten upgraded a few times, which makes it nice. Yes, I have. Yes, you have. And you fly to Japan, you fly to Korea, Korea, and then you fly from Korea to... Chiang Mai. Right, direct. That's that's wonderful. I have not been in the Bangkok airport since 2012. I was there even further back than that, probably about 2000... I may go this, this year. It's all Because I'm thinking of going over. to Cambodia, uh-huh. and really you have to go through Bangkok. Really? To get to Cambodia. But that yeah. seems roundabout. Oh, No. No? Uh, Cambodia is very close to the uh, same latitude as Bangkok. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you go up to go to Bangkok and then take a small plane over to Cambodia. Well, Cambodia is big tourism business, though. It is, yeah. Sure. And where are you going to go in Cambodia? This time I'm thinking of going to the Killing Fields, which are by the capital, Phnom Penh. I went there in uh, January. Yeah. This January? This past January, yeah. How was it? It was fine, yeah. Uh, well, the weather was, it was hot, but I like it's hot. It's always hot there. Yeah, and I like hot, so it was it was good. But um, very sombering. That, um, and I, my husband didn't want to go with me on that, and I was debating whether to go, and uh, our guide, I asked him, and he highly suggested that, you know, even though it's, sad but they want people to know what happened so we went to the killing field or one of the killing fields mm-hmm. and then the school that was turned into the prison and um, they had mm-hmm. some survivors there and uh, was um, they talked to you no well no because they didn't speak English but I, they had I bought a book about it and I read ah. his story about it, it was Sad. It's more than sad. It's it's actually, it was just devastating that that could happen in our lifetimes. I'm talking about baby boomer lifetimes, where where that could actually happen. And um, when you see, I've seen pictures of the skulls Mm -hmm. just lined up, I mean, piles of them. And then so many stories about the fact that they're still trying to clean up. A lot of the yeah. fields from the uh, explosive in the mines. Is is that still happening? Are they still they, cl- trying to clean it up? They are. The The part that I was really moved ba- about was they had this whole um, uh, section where the kids were just thrown in. And then people, um, you know, you would put these little bracelets around the whole fence area and I happened to have a bracelet, so I stuck one on. But it, it was just gave me chicken skin. It was really sad. Um, they had like a tree where they they would just beat the people, and just, and I could what I couldn't understand was because it's such a there's a lot of Buddhists monks there. Like how could that happen? 
in a country that is primarily Buddhist. But what is your take on that, Robert? Cambodia has had a very bloody history, mm-hmm. which actually most countries in Southeast Asia have. But I, I feel that I love Angkor Wat. It was built by slave labor. Mm-hmm. And I think that repression, um, there's no place for that violence in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. So it got repressed. Mm-hmm. This is my take on it. And then it kind of exploded through Pol Pot in a very extreme way. The reason I want to go, and I've always avoided it until now, just because it's so grisly, you know. But I want to go there to do healing. I want to put up columns of light and encourage the trapped souls to leave. I'm planning to go with a friend. We went to Egypt together. We did a lot of energy work in various places together. And she suggested this. It has been, you know how it is when you keep hearing about something Mm -hmm. from several different sources. Yeah like all in the same day. It's like, okay, okay. I really didn't want to go, but I've decided I am. So when you go to Cambodia, everyone says you've got to go in the morning early, obviously to Angkor Wat. I mean, um, it's become, unfortunately, I I was listening to the Frommers radio show, and um, on the Frommers show they're talking about places that are over-touristed. Of course, we know about Cinque Terre, we know about Venice, and Barcelona now and so many places are, but Angkor Wat's become one of those ones on the list where so many people want to go, and now I guess with partly because of the cruises and stuff mm-hmm. that they're um, getting pretty much overloaded with people wanting to go. So, I mean, if you're on a cruise, you're not going to get there before dawn because people can't get off the ship that early and get there. So I guess the best thing to do if I'm going to go, I'm going to get there. And stay right there. There's a Sovetel, I think, almost. Um, I love the Sovetel. We stayed there. Yeah, right, yeah. almost on the premises, right? Mm, not, not, not. No, it's a little bit. Did of you a get way. up super early to go? We see did. It? Yeah. You did. Yeah. The sunrise. Was yeah. it super crowded already when you went there? It was crowded. I wouldn't say it was super crowded, but mm-hmm. it, it was crowded. But. Mm-hmm. But when we have Tom Vendetti, who's been there, he did the film festival there for many years. He says that there's another beautiful uh, group of temples just up the road a little ways that's, that's, that, that's not overcrowded, so people can find ways. And this is something you have to always think about when you're going to over-touristed place. You've got to either go off-season. It's always a key. Don't go when it's top tourist mm-hmm. season. And um, find um, alternative places around there that may not have been publicized as much. And there are places like that, I guess. There a are lot many of beautiful temple complexes near Angkor Wat. Mm-hmm. They're right. all worth seeing. Yeah, mm-hmm. They keep unearthing them and clearing the jungle. And so there's so much to do there. Mm-hmm. Angkor Wat is the pinnacle, but there's so much Angkor Thom nearby. There are various hills. They call them uh, Phnom. I love Phnom Kulen. It's my favorite place. It's about a thousand foot mountain in a national park about 30 miles to the northeast. And a very, very sacred place. Uh, Shiva oh, lingams in, oh, the, really? in the creek. So it's Yeah, in, it's hin- been Hindu. Hindu, no? They were originally Hindu. Oh, when really? the Khmer culture started, it was Hindu. Oh, 
I didn't know then that. Then it uh, did an amalgam with Buddhists. Uh-huh. It was back and forth, back and forth, Hindu, Buddhist, and combination for a number of centuries. Uh-huh. And finally and it became Theravada Buddhist in the 15th century. And when Khmer Rouge came in, what was the religion in, that was most predominant at that time? It was uh, Buddhism. It was Buddhism. Yeah. I so don't it goes consider back to them what Buddhist. Catholic, yeah, that's what I see. There's, you know, how can we say? There's Buddhists and there's Buddhists just like there's Christians and there's Christians, you know. Um, and and it's, un, it's a razor's edge sword because you're supposed to not, um, you're supposed to be peaceful. And as a pacifist, does that mean you let something happen mm-hmm. where people are being killed? In Buddhism, it's very clear. It's totally against Buddhist precepts to kill. Totally against it. But do you have to kill to stop the killing? Then then comes the big question. How do you stop killing? You know, when you have something as powerful as that going on, you know. And I'm sure there were many Buddhist monks probably killed too. There were a lot of educated people who were killed um, as well. They targeted the educated because they were communists Mm -hmm. of an extreme sect. Mm -hmm. So they really wanted to eliminate the intelligentsia. Mm -hmm. That was their main agenda. And they did. They wiped out a whole group. And and so it's interesting. It's still the after effects of that. Probably you saw, Kathy. I mean, there's a whole generation that was kind of wiped out, and it's Mm -hmm. starting over again with all these beautiful young children who never, of course, knew about it but are surrounded by the after effects, right? So yeah, they said that everybody has somebody that was affected by mm-hmm. that. And um, but like our guide and some of the other people that I had talked to, they, um, they're they very forgiving about that. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, I don't know, I would have a little bit of a hard time, I think. <laughs> well, again, that might be the Buddhist, uh, yeah. and again, a way of survival, because if you are going to be angry, mm-hmm. and um, boy, you'd have another generation wiped out, right? Because mm-hmm. that's going to affect you. I mean, when you have that kind of massive amount of devastation, I mean, mm-hmm. what do you do? I mean, the Buddhism yeah. acceptance is very key. Vietnam is, you were there 10 years ago in Vietnam, but that's another issue as well. I mean, how do people in Vietnam, you were just there in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And and again, we were talking, Robert and I were talking about whether people are still angry in, in Vietnam, and you sensed that in some places 10 years ago. In the north, I did, mm-hmm. in Hanoi. Mm-hmm. I did not feel welcomed as an American at all. We, we Well, we went in to Hanoi, and total opposite. They were really? very, very friendly. Um, yeah. So that's, I, that's I tourism. really liked Hanoi. See, now that's cruises and tourism, mm-hmm. I think, that might have made the difference in the 10 years because now it's a popular tourist destination. Mm-hmm. And they know it's bringing money in. They're, they're getting the nice after effects of the financial incomes, right, with some of they the... They are, mm-hmm, yeah. The restaurants and the hotels and, and places are probably doing better than they've ever done before. So... That might be a key there. Um, you didn't like down what, you, Saigon you Ho, or Ho Chi Minh. It was just a big city, you yeah. know, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. I liked Hanoi. Felt a little more uh, local, I guess. Even though it was a busy, crowded place, it was. Uh, I just liked the feel of it more. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more beautiful, I think. Mm-hmm. Than yeah. Ho did Chi Minh. you yeah. did you go to Myanmar? 
you didn't go to no. Myanmar on your But that's cruise. another place speaking. Well, the Buddhists are, yes. and that, like. The Buddhists are persecuting the Muslims. The, right. Yes. I, don't, I don't get that. I know. <laughs> it's only because there's certain people yeah. that are in control always. It always comes down to the people who control the situation. Yeah. And that no, but Burma, the Burmese, yeah. the dominant ethnic group, uh-huh. they are very militant. They yeah. want their country for Buddhists and for Burmese. Yeah. And yet, when I went last November, I had a Muslim tour guide, but my driver was Muslim, and he was from the new capital. I cannot remember the name, but it's not Yangon. It's a new city. So he was kind of cosmopolitan, sophisticated, but he liked, this was uh, in Tonji in Shan State. He liked it there sense mm-hmm. of community. He took me to Muslim restaurants. People treated me very well. And we went to all the you know, Buddhist caves, you know, where they put statues of Buddha and temples and things inside the caves. And here's this foreigner and this Muslim and we're posing and mm-hmm. the uh, nobody bothered us. Yeah. You know. So I I felt personally I've always felt a lot of freedom there. But they broadcast the Dharma at dawn or on loudspeakers. Really? It's, it's like being uh, in, in China under Mao, you know. I'm Only shocked that they act. I've never heard of a place doing that. Very, very loudly at dawn in the, the, the temple in the middle of town, one smaller city huh. in Shan State. It's like you could not sleep. Do you think that's because, like, the Muslims were doing the call to prayer and they were doing it to counter Probably. To counteract I the Muslims' way of the, the call, call yes. to prayer, right? But the call to prayer only lasts for five minutes. This was <laughs> going on for an hour and a half. <laughs> I've never... I like the call to prayer. <laughs> In Chiang Mai, I hear the call to prayer from the mosque down the street five times a day. Uh-huh. And then the dogs start bar- barking. Uh-huh. Muslims don't like dogs, you know. In general, oh, I didn't know and that I can understand why. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing the barking at the call to prayer, I felt these dogs have no respect. They're dogs, you know. <laughs> but some of the dogs uh, next door, the foreigners who live next door, right next to the madrasa, the Muslim school, I think they encourage their dogs to to bark to bark yes. <laughs> But it, Probably it, give them treats, you know. I, of all the time I've I've followed Buddhism, I've never heard it being broadcast. I mean, that is that's like kind of that's very strange. <laughs> but all it, over the planet, <laughs> pe- people are polarizing. It's wow. a it's a global tendency. Mm-hmm. The Buddhists are becoming more hardline Buddhists. You know, the Christian fundamentalists, the Jewish fundamentalists. It's you know the fights in India between. The Hindus, the Muslims, it's everywhere. Do you see the tourism uh, factor influencing Myanmar since you went? You've been to Myanmar a few times now, right? Yes. I think that maybe the Burmese want to maintain their traditional culture in the face of more tourism Mm -hmm. and democracy. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot more freedom there Mm -hmm. than there used to be. That's my speculation. But uh, all that said, it's a growing country economically. It's expansive. I like Myanmar. I like it a lot. 
And it's become a cruise destination, isn't it? Some of the cruise lines go there, don't they? They do tours, mm-hmm. excursions yeah. there, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So that will change it. I mean, that you know, wherever you have tourism, there's things that change. They have their little Riviera that's beginning to develop on the coast near Yangon. Um, and I think the cruise ships probably will be going in there. Huh. So because there's building kind of going in to support that. Yes. The dollar signs are being seen already. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they prefer dollars So w- now more than chat. You know, Cambodia is like that. You can just, yeah. just the dollars. Yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things on that report I was talking about earlier with the cruise lines, they're finding that indeed, and of course, as you know, then we all know that more and more tourists want to do things that haven't been done before. The X factor of going beyond where everyone else mm-hmm. is. Um, <laughs> this is already a little late, but a lot of people going to the Antarctic, of course, you know, and, and taking trips to places. Um, however, that's now becoming kind of common. So, if you go to places like I know you go when you go to Myanmar, you go up to other places again outside your typical places, and you don't really ever feel afraid when you go outside the, the city, kind of into the hills or the different groups, do you? I haven't been to areas there where there was fighting. Mm-hmm. I may go to uh, a different state in Myanmar mm-hmm. on the border with Thailand where there is still civil war mm-hmm. because I have good contacts. And we'll see if that happens. If it happens, I will report to you on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you don't carry a gun when you're traveling. No, I do no. not. <laughs> I it is interesting because of course it does make a difference. That's a different language. What language do they speak in in Myanmar? They speak Burmese. They have their own language. Yes. So you don't speak that, so you'd have to. No. But do they understand the Thai language? What what do you call no, the Thai language? Well, some some understand Thai, but yeah. English is is, is it pretty common. Oh, really? It was part of British India mm-hmm. in colonial times. That's a good point. You know. That's a good point. They Speaking. all had to learn to speak like this. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that, we were talking before we went there. He wants to go to Singapore, and I—you have not been to Singapore before. Not yet, no. But it's pretty easy for you to get there. I'm afraid I might gain weight because <laughs> I hear the food is so great. It, the food is great. <laughs> the food is great. It's. Um, there's lovely old hotels. Of course, Raffles is so famous and everything. But there's other lovely hotels. Raffles has gotten over-the-top, outrageous, expensive. But, I mean, it's a fascinating city, a beautiful city. Um, very modern now, but also the ancient. And, and like we are saying, we had a lovely hotel to stand, but it was one of the old English-style hotels. But you, you go to one of the uh, transportation down the metro and, you land up in one stop, and you can see the old city and its temples and Buddhism, and and you literally are in a street that is like um, not a fake Chinatown, but a really Chinatown, Chinatown kind of feeling, you know, about it. Um, and and again, it's it's just fascinating to see, actually. And and I love some of the modern places they had. Those two. Have you been to Singapore, Kathy? As a child, I haven't been back. Since. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, pretty amazing. They have two domes. And they're hemispheres that are created with um, their own interior weather systems and everything. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Huge waterfalls and ferns and flowers. And butterflies. You walk. There's a butterfly oh, thing. It's go- amazing. 
I had clients go there. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And not hard to get there. I mean, and, and um, you know, you can get there pretty easily. I think it'll be interesting for you. I mean, because you do travel in, in Asia quite a bit, but you don't usually go to... What are the other areas that you like to travel from Thailand to go to? Are those pretty much the ones that you go to Cambodia? I like Laos, Denmark? but oh, I Laos. feel like I've seen enough of that for a while. Mm-hmm. I'd like to revisit Vietnam very mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malaysia, I was not that crazy about. Yeah. Too much ethnic tension. Is there? Yeah, between the Indians, Chinese, and the Malays. They've had bad luck with airport. Airplane crashes, too. <laughs> I haven't had one in a few months, but they were going through a series of plane crashes that I always wonder if they were allowing those lithium batteries to be shipped back and forth. Well, they didn't find that one. It's still missing. I know. I was yeah. on a I was on a cruise during that time, yeah. and I, I actually saw smoke in the sky afterwards, and I took pictures of it, and I'm sure <laughs> it was before they even reported it. I'm sure it was when it was going down and everything because we were just in that area there. Mm. And um, I'm thinking it's lithium batteries that hmm. um, they were transporting, and now they know, of course. But, you know, you could see the tendency if they were going to try to ship these things and getting a good amount of money for them where they could do that. But, no, they, there was a few plane crashes that went down for a while there, and, and I think three One or was, I think, shot down by the Russians. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Okay. Uh, Maui to Singapore. Okay, thank you, John. Oh, this is a good price. Maui to Singapore for $875. Did you Very book good. did you book it? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it on miles. That's a good one. Yeah. $875. Which airline? And that's a lot of miles. You'll get some good miles on this. United. Oh. Cuz he's a United frequent flyer. Yes. Yeah. In fact, one year I had that's why we went to Singapore. It's the end of the oh, year and needed some extra miles, miles and and um, and did it. In fact, that was one of the first times I did the um, upgrade to business class. And I was really disappointed because um, it was a lay-down bed, but it was facing the people in the economy section, and they were not closing uh. the thing. And literally everyone there was just staring right in your face because <laughs> I was in the back, and you're laying sitting there, and they're all just looking at you. <laughs> And you're trying to lay down, and the, the, the drapes were open, and it was rather, uncom- <laughs> rather uncomfortable. Not only that, there was someone on the other side, so you have someone literally. I had someone sleeping like three inches, two oh, inches they from had me. Them rear facing and forward facing. It Is was that, very yeah. awkward, yeah. actually. But I don't think I would fly United. <laughs> no, I mean, just no, don't get the last seat, the back seat, right? You know, you don't want. I mean, I would not get a rear facing back seat if I was going to do an upgrade again like that. I'm just saying. I would probably fly (laughs) Korean. Yeah, Yeah. generally the international carriers are better as far as service. Some of them them are. Looking forward to the food. I think Singapore Airlines. Looking forward to the lounge in Honolulu. Isn't the Singapore Airlines also excellent? Isn't there Singapore Airlines that's supposed to be excellent as well? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I got a a request to sign up for uh, the credit card on American Airlines, and it was like 55000 no, it was more like 60,000 miles you signed up and you oh, have the to, bonus miles. The bonus miles if you spent X amount of money was mm-hmm. pretty, it's a pretty good deal. Um, we, a, a week or so ago, we had our friend Georgia and Tom Vendetti and uh, Lama Gelson in the studio. Um, not on this show, but it's on my other show on Tuesday. And um, they were planning to do a special um, fundraiser for the Maui Dharma Center. And they do have that booked right now. I just saw Georgia. Um, Georgiana Cook. Georgiana came in and, and uh, was saying, it's selling well. Um, there's some tickets still left. 
It's at the McCoy Theater at 7 o'clock. And Tom Vendetti's film, um, Mount Kailash, as this is called The J- Journey to the Center of the... You have tickets? What's it called? Oh, Journey to the Center? I'm yes. going to go. I forgot gonna to buy... You're going to go? I'm going to... Get your tickets. I forgot to buy my tickets. Yeah, I mean... Journey to the Center of the Universe. Yeah, and it's... Um, 7 I th- p.m. I think they've sold 100 tickets so far, so... Might send um, a reminder. Yeah. Doors open at 6.30. And the show starts at 7, and it's a benefit, and Lama Gelson will be there. Lama Gelson will be talking about his the trip, and... Um, that is a place I would love to... Mount Kailash? Yes, circumnavigate. You should do that. You should do that, definitely. Have you, I mean, that is, he's done it two or three times now, um, gone to Mount Kailash. And it's rather arduous. You'll see. They, they document it very well in the movie, and they'll tell you what it takes to get there. Three days Maybe in my next life. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it might be something you want to do. I mean, it's supposed to be a journey where you, you know, one of those karmic things. You're not working off karma. Sounded uh, hard. <laughs> yes, I agree. It did sound. I, it did sound difficult. I mean, that is probably the reason I didn't do All it. All the momos you can eat. <laughs> momos are what? Tibetan dumplings. Oh yeah. Well, I had chai a lot when I was there. I mean, definitely a lot of chai. Oh, um, and I love chai. I don't know about momos. I don't remember the momos. It's been a while since I, I was. I don't in. think they're vegetarian. No, they're not, no. Actually, they're not. A lot of people assume that Tibetans are vegetarians. They're not. No, they eat meat. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's a cold climate. And Lama Gelson eats meat, too. You'd think if you're a llama, you don't, but no, he Does eats. He yaks? Is that what they eat? Yeah, they I, eat yaks. Do they oh, eat yeah. yaks? I like yaks. Uh, really? Yeah. Seriously? I just assumed yeah. that's what they're they so eat. They're so cute. Yeah. Like yeah. beef. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. You'll see pictures of the... These yaks are worth a lot of money. I can't see eating them because they use them for tourism. I mean, they take care... They take they care use them up for milk. Down. Yeah, they Cheese. do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, you can go and, and get your tickets if you go to the Mac or call 242-SHOW and get tickets. I'm going to go. You're going to go. You're going to go. We're going to all going. be there. Mm-hmm. We'll have a whole group of people, and there'll be wonderful people there as well. So we're very excited about that. And uh, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you. It's always interesting talking to you, Robert. Um, people can contact you where? At 268-8047. That's my American number, area code 808. Or ZaRoberts at AOL.com. My new improved website is ZaRobert.com. And that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening and a big aloha.